This episode of the MedSort Podcast is brought to you by Arena. Arena works with medical device manufacturers to help them bring their products to market quicker and more cost-effectively through their cloud product lifecycle management system. Arena's product lifecycle management system allows every participant throughout product development and commercialization to work together in a centralized system and effectively keep track of product designs, engineering changes, and associated product information to accelerate the design and delivery and ensure regulatory compliance of quality medical device products. You can find out more at arenasolutions.com. Welcome to this episode of the MedSort Podcast, discussing the latest news and issues in life sciences. I'm Ian Bolland, Acting Group Editor of MedTech Innovation and Medical Plastics News. To mark World Mental Health Day, I'm joined by George Jones, Director of Mental Health from Livy, as we talk about the impact the pandemic has had collectively on people's mental health, access to technologies and services, and what can be done to tackle the challenges brought about from those suffering from poor mental health. So, George, um, thank you very much for joining us on the MedTalk podcast. Um, this is something I say to all of our guests at the start, but if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Livy. Sure. Yeah, fantastic to be here. Thanks so much for, for having me on. Um, well, maybe I'll start a little bit with Cree Livy and then, and then I can introduce myself as, as well. So, um, so Livy, or, or Cree as it's known in, uh, in the Nordics, uh, we're the largest digital uh, first healthcare provider in Europe. And so... What that means is we deliver uh, primary care services, digital mental health services, uh, and lots of other things across Europe. Um, so that's uh, the Nordics, France, and the UK. Uh, and we, we now also deliver NHS services as well to, to about 8 million patients. Um, and uh, I, I heard about this kind of company uh, a few years ago, um, and I've got a kind of engineering and management consultancy background. Um, and I just kind of really liked what they were doing. I liked the fact that they were kind of patient first. So I, I joined in, in 2018 when they've been going a couple of years. Um, and over the last few years, I've been helping them to, um, to, to grow in the UK. Uh, and we're now kind of delivering tens of thousands of GP consultations each month and, and have over 300 clinicians. So it's, it's been quite an exciting journey so far. Okay. Uh, that, thanks for the, uh, the little overview. Um, part of your, your job, of course, is that you specialise in the mental health side of things. Before we actually get onto the technology um, that Larry offers or, or what, what can be put into place to, to aid people's mental health in any way, can we just have a look at the current state of mental health in the UK? I mean, first of all, the pandemic has obviously had a massive impact on it, but do, do you think that enough is being put into place to address the mental health challenges that the, the country faces? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, the COVID pandemic. It's obviously had a lot of uh, of impact in terms of both how people feel, but also how mental health has been perceived, I think. So, um, you know, I think what, what we saw over the pandemic is that people's lives were getting objectively worse. So the external environment was actually getting worse. That meant that uh, a lot of people uh, who maybe had underlying mental health issues or who'd not actually suffered from mental health issues before were starting to feel those effects uh, and, and reaching out for help. Um, so, uh, you know, a study we did says um, almost 50% of people feel more stressed now than they did pre the pandemic. 
Um, but, but one of the interesting things was that because we were all experiencing those things together, it also kind of started a bit of a conversation around mental health. And I don't know whether you agree with me, but definitely my experience is that when I scroll through social media or I scroll through LinkedIn, I see so much more uh, talk about mental health issues and, and people sharing their stories than maybe we had before the pandemic. So I think there's a kind of reducing stigma as well alongside that. Um, and actually, interestingly, what we're seeing is that more and more men are reaching out to ask for help for the first time. And that's something that we hadn't seen before. We'd kind of seen uh, actually kind of fewer men than women reaching out for help. But I think that reduction in stigma, because it's such a current conversation, has been uh, has been really positive. However, you know, with that, obviously, what you talked about is you know, there's high demand. There are signs that the system is struggling. Um, you know, some of the NHS uh, services are kind of missing their targets on the amount of people they should be treating. Um, and there are also some challenges on the workforce side. So we've got a limited number of clinicians um, and, you know, they're looking for work, which, uh, you know, they're looking kind of for, for variety in their work. Um, and so there's definitely signs that the, that the system is, is struggling. Um, it does seem to me like there is a lot of a spotlight on it. Um, but, you know, there's definitely things that we could do to, to kind of improve the situation. For sure. Uh, you actually stole one of my questions there by answering it before I asked in terms of the stigma element. So I'll, I'll sort of rephrase it a little because even though there is less of a stigma, I think it's fair to state there is still a stigma there with certain people because even though you might have people that come forward and and say when they ordinarily wouldn't have done and they say, I've got a problem and I need some help here. There is, there's still this, not everyone's, wants to be as open about it as other people there is still this this confidence element that people want to keep yeah definitely i i think you're right it's um you know e even with the um gender gap in reaching out for um help we still see a gap so we still see more women reaching out for help than men uh, and we know that there are people that are that are not reaching out for help that are kind of struggling um so i think that there's definitely still a stigma. There's definitely still work to do there. Um, but actually, you know, some of some of the things that we can do with technology actually maybe start to help with that stigma a little bit. So, for example, uh, being able to reach out for help in a digital format. Uh, maybe maybe you don't even need to speak to anyone to, to reach out for help in the first place. Maybe you just need to fill out a form, download an app. Um, it starts that process off in a little bit more of a kind of anonymous way. Uh, and, you know, it also might mean there's no, you know, waiting in a waiting room. There's none of that kind of anxiety inducing elements. And interestingly, when we uh, first launched our GP service in the UK, some of the first feedback that we used to get from uh, from patients was actually from those struggling with social anxiety or with other types of mental health problems saying, I, I love the fact that I can reach out for help from my own space um, I don't need to kind of you know make that jump to go outside and so I hope that what that's part of the power of digital technology is that it can actually start to reach those groups that were previously a little bit hard to, to access. Uh, of course re reaching those groups that are hard to access is, is an important point but uh, uh, I would come back and ask that the, I think a lot of people's mental health well I'm not going to say a lot of people but some people's mental health problems can be a case of actually trying to mix and get out of that, um, that that isolationist bubble that they're in, for example, because whilst it may be a good thing that they can reach out and in, in a digital format, how do they go from, from the leap of digital to actually getting that in-person contact that they might need? 
yeah sure sure um no i think i think you're right you know that i i guess you know one of the objectives of, of therapy is to is to start to kind of break down those barriers and start to make kind of positive steps um and really i think what i was saying is that the power of digital is to help the start of that journey mm -hmm. then once they're on that journey they've managed to reach out to uh you know whether it's initially some self-help content or actually a trained clinical professional that can help guide them through that journey, then they can start to make progress and, and they can start to make the positive steps that you were saying, which actually might be you know, if they're being outside or it might be other things. Um, but I think that the more that we can do to make that front door as accessible as, as possible, the better, I would say. It's in essence, it's trying to create as many avenues to, get, to help as many people who have different um who have different mental health issues because everyone talks about mental mental health awareness under this really broad umbrella as like as if it's one thing that might be mm. might might be wrong, but there's there's a myriad of 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 issues that people might have, or whether whether it's just one, it could be three, four, etc. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I I should say now I'm I'm not a psychologist by background, but definitely you know on on the service that that we see. A real range of issues from uh you know from stress to kind of depression anxiety um but obviously there are also challenges that that actually may, might not be appropriate for digital care and and therefore it's actually really key that the system is knitted together so that the lower intensity um services like uh you know there's there's some nhs talking therapy services called IAPT, for example um it's really key that they are also linked really smoothly into other bits of the system that might be more appropriate for those higher intensity more acute um more acute cases i want to come on to uh, the technology bit in a bit more detail but i think you've actually touched upon something that we should probably address first in terms of we, we've spoken about you know the nhs elements for example there's a huge backlog of cases whether that's a physical mm. health and mental health but and then you talked about the system being knitted together. What changes have you come across in recent years and have, have they been for the better in terms of, you know, trying to match up or, you know, marry together parts of the system that need to be? Yeah, sure. I, I think, um, you know, since, since I've been working in and around the NHS uh, for the best part of the last uh, seven or eight years, there have definitely been strides in the right direction. So, um, you know, way back in 2014, there was this idea of, of physical and mental health parity of esteem, so making sure that we see them in the same light, um, and that and that really drove uh, you know an, an addition in funding, which has been great. Um, and so there's there's lots of rules now about you know commissioners need to if they're increasing their funding also increase the mental health funding in line with that. So that's 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 a really good first first step. Um, and I think alongside that, we've also seen things like the uh, introduction of mental health. Uh, professionals within the GP practices themselves um, and so that's that's really key because you know quite often what we see is that when people are presenting with mental health conditions uh, it may be they're not aware of that's that's what the main problem and often their first port of call is to go to the GP so I think it's really positive to start to see the NHS react to that to start to put a bit more money into the system but also to try and kind of um, knit the system together in, in a kind of uh, in, in a smoother way. And now for a brief message from our sponsor. PTC by itself, I mean, uh, is a Boston-based company. Uh, we are uh, leading uh, when it comes to a digital threat, uh, digitization, let's say. So uh, probably a lot of people know PTC from ProEngineer in the early days. 
and now now called Creo, and then B2C has a very broad portfolio now uh, across the, the value chain, thinking from IoT solutions like ThingWorks, AR solutions like Buforia, uh, PLM solutions like Windchill and, and now Arena, uh, and also CAD solutions, as I just mentioned, like Creo, but also a, a pure SaaS-based CAD solution like, like Onshape. So very broad portfolio serving multiple markets, uh, including life science, that was a brief message from our sponsor, Arena, a PTC company. Now back to today's episode. You talked about funding, you talked about knitting uh, things together. So let's go on to technology itself, because obviously there's Livy's solution, but let's just talk about technology broadly. So what can be done with technology to help, you know, help people manage their mental health better, for example? So what innovations are out there that people can access quite easily? Yeah, sure. I think um, one of the biggest opportunities um, is, uh, you know, I, I kind of touched on a few things. I think there's there's one opportunity which we started talking about, which is basically the front door, how do people access care in, in the first place? There's then making sure that there's continuity of care throughout that throughout that journey. Um, and, and I guess lastly, it's making sure that we're making the clinicians as efficient as possible, because we talked about one of the biggest challenges was actually there are, there are a limited number of clinicians, so we need to make sure that we're using their time as efficiently as possible. Um, so if we kind of tackle the front door first, uh, this is really about making sure that we are opening the front door to care. So some really good examples that we've, that we've seen is that, um, you know, GP practices using their website, which actually people are going to more and more after the pandemic, whereas previously they might have just walked into their GP as their first port of call, people are now reaching out on digital channels a lot more than they were in the, in the pandemic. Um, and so having the access to NHS talking therapies, to other types of things on those on those practice websites is, is a really kind of interesting thing. And that's actually something that we've been building alongside with the NHS. We've been kind of building these practice websites to help with making sure that actually a mental health patient coming to a GP practice doesn't need to um, go and have a GP face-to-face meeting they can actually get directed straight to the mental health um, area. So that's, I think, one of the key things. The other one is about continuity of of care. So um, one of the things which technology can help with is obviously um, if you're delivering care over video, then actually you don't need to be right next to your therapist to, uh, to, to be continuing care. So for example, on our service, one of the things which we found is that um, there was someone who was uh, who was kind of having kind of stress and, and burnout symptoms from from work, um, and part of their kind of you know therapy was kind of a, a weekly weekly session with with one of our therapists. Um, they were then sent away for work, which usually would have meant that they wouldn't be able to see the therapist. But actually, they were able to continue that care journey. Uh, they were able to kind of see the therapist even from you know the fact that they were kind of away in a different country. Um, so being able to kind of have that continuous care, I think, is, is super important. Um, and then the last bit, and this is um, where I get most excited, I think, is, is really about making sure that we're making the most of these cl- of these clinicians, um, because you've got these amazing therapists um, who, who are really highly trained, who, who, as we were saying earlier, can take people from a situation where they were maybe scared to go outside through to moving them into kind of positive behavior and, and being able to kind of uh, improve their lives. Um but we need to make sure that we're getting that as efficiently as possible. So one of the things which I'm really excited about um, is having multi-channel communication. So although, um, you know, 
face-to-face video may may need to be you know a, a kind of a key cornerstone of what we do also things like text communication in between um in between therapy sessions can mean that patients are actually still making progress between sessions um and also providing really interactive engaging um uh, kind of educational modules between the sessions is great because that means that the patient or client can be doing a lot of their learning on the nuts and bolts of what therapy is, some of the key concepts actually outside the therapy session. So then the therapy session itself can be really directed specifically at their problem and we can get be getting the most out of, of those therapists. You talked about so many technologies that are already out there that were being repurposed for for health service use, but is there, are there any other innovations that are out there that you, you can say that is uniquely geared towards mental health that is now being brought forward? Yeah, sure. You're right in the sense that actually there's there's a lot we can do with um, technology, which is not particularly new and has been has been out there um, for a little while. Um, and actually, when you think about things like um, you know interactive uh, education modules, you're taking stuff which is pretty standard technology you know videos images uh apps which allow you to be able to interact and do interactive homework but then combining that with kind of pretty cutting edge psychological research in terms of what actually um has the impact to create something which which is kind of new and exciting um having said that there's also the kind of slightly further you know future things that we can talk about so people obviously uh always get pretty excited about um ai and machine learning algorithms and and things like that um, and I think one of the applications that you could foresee that, you know, that coming into mental health um, is having a lot better matching between uh, the patient, the clinician that they need to see, and also potentially the, the, modul- the modularity of therapy that they need to see. So, so you could foresee something where actually I put in a little bit of information um, about, uh, you know, about you know, what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking, and actually the, the algorithm can say, this this therapist is probably the right person for you or maybe here's a kind of short list of therapists and also maybe make recommendations to the therapist about what some of the key issues might be um also what types of therapy might work on on this patient um and again really this actually just comes back to making sure that we are using the kind of key resource in healthcare which is the clinician as efficiently as possible because um you're ensuring that there's a really good match between the patient and the therapists so that you get the um you get the kind of desired improvement in mental health in the kind of uh, fewest amount of sessions possible uh, and from the patient's perspective you're you're making sure that they get that kind of optimum optimum treatment that almost sounds a bit like uh, the way dating apps work <laughs> you could see it like that. I mean, there, there, you know, I again, I should, I could, I should say, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a clinician by background, uh, but it does seem to me that there are some similarities between uh, between therapy and, and dating. There's, there's definitely, uh, you know, one of the things which we encourage uh, our therapists to do in that first in that first meeting is to really assess whether they are the right therapist to be delivering that care. Um, so, in some way, there is a bit of a, you know, the the patient or client having a bit of a feel of whether this is the therapist for them, the therapist in the same way, having a quick assessment of the client and, and seeing if that's a, it's a match made in heaven or not. The fact that I brought that up probably says a lot more about me than I've done everybody needs to know. So we'll, we'll, we'll move on because the, it isn't just uh, the, the digital aspect or AI and machine learning that I, I, I want to talk about because 
there's a, been a couple of instances over the past few years where people have actually brought out, you know, tangible devices, hardware, headsets, for example. Mm. I, I've, I've seen where I, I mean, I'll not, I'll not mention any names, but the, the type of treatment where it's uh, transcranial direct current stimulation. So the, the, they're trying to stimulate the brain into it's all, almost you know one part of the brain that which allows you to feel better almost. Are, are these innovations that you can see coming to the fore? You know, going forward, or I mean, I mean, it might be a little bit beyond what what Livy does, but it's, it's, it'd be just interesting to get your insight. Sure, I think I think it actually might be a little bit beyond my expertise as opposed to to what Livy does. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I think I, that that kind of stuff I think would probably be uh, a better better to, to ask the clinician. Um, one of the things that I that I do think is interesting, actually, though you're talking about hardware, um, is uh, you know, obviously we've talked about video therapy. One of the other things that you could think about uh, in the future is whether you could be doing therapy in a more immersive virtual reality um, mm-hmm. uh, perspective. So um, I know that there've been trials done on this uh, with specific phobias and um, so kind of immersion therapy, um, but also it would be interesting to, to think about whether um, having, you know, a, a virtual therapist in the room with you would actually kind of uh, create any kind of additional effects. Um, the, the, the last thing which I was kind of reading pretty recently, uh, which I think is really interesting is, is research into, uh, psychedelics for kind of, uh, for resistant kind of depression treatment. So the idea here is that, um, over the course of the, of the treatment, uh, you're prepped for, for a kind of psychedelic experience. And this is happening, uh, in, in trials in the UK. Uh, and the idea is that it kind of unblocks maybe some of the mental uh, you know, kind of mental blocks that you've been putting through. Uh, and this is the, they do these kind of like guided psychedelic trips and then therapy either side. And, and that actually does seem to have uh, some really interesting uh, and, and really cool um, improvements in, in depression that has uh, previously been kind of treatment resistant. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. That's something that uh, I think our listeners would be keen to pick up on if, uh, if they get the opportunity. Uh, but we'll, uh... We'll come along to what Livy does now in terms of Livy's mental health offering. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, so as I mentioned, Livy in the UK, we kind of started with primary care. So we started with GP services um, and we, we see uh, tens of thousands of, of patients in the UK, both on the NHS and also privately. And what we really um, found during the pandemic was that we were seeing an increasing number of mental health presentations in our, in our primary care service. Um, and so at the start of this year, um, we, we then launched our own mental health service. So we kind of, uh, we launched a, um, video CBT program, um, started privately, but, but very much hoping to, to, um, roll this out on the NHS. Um, and already we've moved to version two. So we've moved into, um, our app, which means that we can have kind of smoother pathways and means that the kind of patient experience is, is a lot better. Um, and as I said, the, the next step for us is to um, you know, talk to our NHS partners uh, and to work out a way s- similarly that we've done on the GP side of offering this to you know, as many people as possible on the NHS. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned like you saw an increase in presentations of, of mental health issues during the pandemic. I mean, now that um, the UK is out of lockdown, has been for a little bit of time now, um, have you seen them tail off, or is it has it been a case that other environmental factors have probably kept them high? I mean, or was it that watershed moment that mental health 
conversations really needed. Yeah. So the 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 absolute peak we saw was in the first uh, six months of of the pandemic. So just as people were going into lockdown, obviously the strictest um, restrictions that we had. Um, and as we were talking about before, that that meant that people's external environment was just objectively worse, which kind of which kind of um, affects people's mood and, and also kind of means that more likely they are to present with mental health problems. Um, I think since then we've seen that tail off a little bit, but because you know with the stuff that I'm reading, I think we're likely to see a little bit of an uptick um, with people's. Um, with people's anxiety about the cost of living crisis. I think this is something which is in the news a lot. It's obviously kind of forefront of people's minds. Um, and I think this is something, uh, part of our research actually, when, when we did a research on stress was what are the key bits, um, the, the key things which make people stressed. Um, and, and some of the top concerns there were to do with job security, were to do with finances. So I think actually we could be going into um, a winter, which anyway, we see higher demand for mental health services where we've got this cost of living crisis. And I actually think that there could be, unfortunately, even more pressure coming on to some of the public services. So I think that actually nicely leads on to the next point I wanted to address in terms of what more can be done in terms of you know, whether that's developing new ways of getting people access to mental health services, your new treatments, for example, or, or yeah. just anything. What, what more can be done? In, in the short to medium term to help you know alleviate any mental health crisis that we have yeah sure i mean so i think uh, part of it we talked about is is making sure that the the front door is really clear to people people know about it and also that there's kind of clear links into the rest of the system so i think that's kind of point one um point two uh is is really trying to make sure that we're also looking after the therapists so um these are, as I keep saying, you know, really the core of, of what this what the healthcare is all about is the clinicians. Um, and I think that we need to be able to make sure that we are providing therapists um, a role where they've got uh, enough time to be able to actually invest in the patients. We're also giving them a little bit of variety because I think uh, having spoken to some therapists, what um, the, the feedback that I get sometimes is that um, they get exactly the same presentation day in, day out, and actually they would appreciate a little bit of variety. And so I think that's actually where providers, uh, digital providers at scale, who can work across the country, maybe across different settings, can provide a little bit more um, kind of variety in, in people's workload. Um, and then I think also um, starting to look at technology and, and what it can do. So I think that in some ways, mental health has actually been ahead of physical health in the adoption of uh, of virtual and digital. So, you know, when we first came to the UK in 2018 and started talking to GPs about delivering video about delivering video consultations, uh, it was a pretty uphill battle to to convince them that this was something safe to do uh, and convince them that actually this was the kind of what would happen in the future. Um, mental health has been delivered virtually for, for quite a long time and so actually that's not particularly new in mental health the stuff that is new is combining um video therapy with text with interactive modules and i think what could be done uh even better is finding ways to have incubators for those for those innovations so we've got really really great evidence-based talking therapy programs like iapt um, and what that means is that everyone who goes into that program um you know they've got the best chance of, of 
of making improvements because there's a huge evidence base behind it. The only downside is that it means that innovations which don't necessarily fit exactly into that strict program, um, it's sometimes a little bit hard to introduce them. So I think maybe we could do a little bit better at providing those innovation spaces where actually we could have kind of smaller pilots to to kind of test out these new technologies um, as long as you know as long as they they come with their own kind of initial evidence bank. You actually preempted one another one of my questions there in terms of what what can what's what's mental health and perhaps physical health can learn from. I think you mentioned that with the digital elements uh, and virtual reality, but are there any others that you didn't they didn't touch upon? Um, I I think that um, a, a lot of the um, you know despite actually some therapy being delivered virtually. Um, the uh, mental health is, is kind of very place-based and um, there's there's not a kind of um you know there's a, it's often kind of at the mental health trust um and so i think maybe one thing that we can learn from um from the, you know cree libby's journey in, in primary care is that actually there's a lot of advantages to be able to doing digital at scale across the entire country so um one of the bits that we can do uh, in the primary care side because we work with the nhs is actually we might see that there's a huge under-doctored area in Cornwall, um, but actually there are quite a lot of clinicians living in London. Um, and so actually we can, you know, we can have clinicians uh, in London who are treating patients in Cornwall. So it's a really good way of equalising the uh, workforce across the country. And we see that patchiness of workforce in mental health. So I think that's one thing that we can learn from the primary care or physical health is the advantage of being able to work at scale digitally. Um, and I think the, the other thing, uh, which is maybe slightly more a boring point, but is, is really, really important, is that the primary care network in the UK is actually really well integrated um, with, with the kind of central system. So a lot of the medical record systems are actually really well integrated and they can kind of share records across easily. Um, I think in order to enable this digital, um, this kind of like at scale digital uh, provision, we need to have in mental health a way of much more seamlessly sharing medical records with the appropriate provider. Because um, uh, at the moment, there's you know a lot of manual work that goes into actually moving a patient around the system. Mm -hmm. Well, George, thank you very much for, for your time today on the Medical Talk podcast. If there's, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, no, it's been, I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure. I guess the only thing that I would, I would, um, add is uh you know if, if you're you are experiencing mental health issues do reach out to a friend do reach out to um anyone who you can feel comfortable co to confide in to take the first step um so yeah that's that's what i would say but it's it's been an absolute pleasure doing this podcast i've really enjoyed it well thanks very much george and very well said and that has been the med Talk podcast <laughs> <laughs>